0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, this is week three of a new series called Engine Room, six habits of Jesus that power life. And week three today, we're going to be looking at his habit of obedience, obedience to a kingdom agenda. Uh, the first week we looked at Holy Spirit dependence. The second week, last week, we looked at prayer and today obedience, which is really the natural outworking of a habit of Holy Spirit dependence and as uh, of a habit of prayer in your life. It's, it's uh, the response to having asked God, God, what are you up to today and how can I be a part of it. And you know, Once you get into the swing of getting into a habit of Holy, Holy Spirit dependence and into a habit of prayer, it's not going to be very long uh, until you get uh, the opportunity to practice obedience to what it is that he says to you. Uh, it's not going to be long before he, he asks you to do something that cuts across your agenda or cuts across the agenda uh, of somebody else in your life. Uh, there's going to be something that comes up that you don't really want to do or that others in your life don't really want you to do. Uh, you're going to be inconvenienced to care for somebody. You're going to have to be honest about that thing that happened. Um, You're going to have to step out and speak to that lonely person. In living out Holy Spirit dependence and prayer, uh, we're faced with a decision and it's a very simple, uh, it's a very straightforward decision that is complex in the way that it works out. And the decision is this, to obey God or to disobey God. It can be very complex for us in the way that that we live it out, but it 's a simple and straightforward decision uh, it 's choosing whether to live out a surrender of our will to his or not. Uh, Obedience. So we said we've said in this series so far that Jesus was uh, relaxed in the way that he lived and ministered. Uh, And to me, and I'm sure to a lot of us, when we think of the word obedience, that doesn't seem to correlate with the word relaxed. You know, how can how can obedience living? How can there be a connection between obedience to God um, and living a relaxed, living relaxed and natural lives? The idea of obedience, especially when it cuts across my agenda or the agenda of other people in my life, seems restrictive authoritarian and painful and in the society where we each set our own truth and we each set our own agenda uh, to bring all of that into submission to someone else's agenda, God's agenda, um, it seems the opposite of free and natural and relaxed. How is doing what someone else wants you to do freeing? How is that relaxing? How is that natural? And so as we look at this passage today that James has read for us, uh, I want to show that there is a connection between Jesus' freedom and the holy power that he experienced in his life and his choice to perfectly obey the Father in every way. So that's where we're going. Um, The passage shows us today that Jesus was in the habit of following his Father's agenda and not his own. Uh, It was natural for him. For him, it had become part of the engine room of his life. The backstory to this passage is that Jesus um, has just healed a man who's been lying by a pool, an invalid, Um, and he's been lying there. He'd been an invalid for thirty-eight years, and he's been lying by this pool that's been that's known for healing, uh, waiting for his healing. And this pool was one that, when it got stirred up, um, people were healed in it. It seems kind of strange, but that's how it rolled apparently and so this man is an invalid by the pool but he always missed out on his healing because someone else was quicker than him to get into the pool uh, to receive healing so he's been he's been unwell and invalid for 38 years Um, Jesus passes by and notices him and he goes up to him um, and he asks him if he wants to be well seems like a strange question Um, and he tells the man get up pick up your mat and walk which he does Amazing, 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 but with any good story, um, there's always a conflict, and the conflict in this story comes in the form of the Pharisees, the Jewish religious religious leaders of the day. Um, It turns out that the the day that Jesus has healed this man is the Sabbath, the Jewish day of rest, Um, and the Jewish religious leaders imposed very strict rules around the Sabbath day. And the man who has been healed gets into trouble from these religious leaders for carrying his mat. And um, uh, they they ask him who has healed him. And long story short, the man tells them that it's Jesus who has healed him. Um, And as we see in today's passage, they then go after Jesus, persecuting him and then trying to kill him. Escalates quickly. Um, And what is as clear as day from this story is that Jesus' agenda, his purpose, what he's on about is very different to that of the Pharisees. Their agenda was to protect the letter of the law, not working on the Sabbath, not even carrying your mat if you've been healed from what you've been unwell with for 38 years. Can't even do that. Um, Protecting the letter of the law. Uh, But Jesus was devoted to a deeper agenda, um, which flowed out of the heart of God's law. Not the letter of the law, but the heart of God's law, uh, which was about fostering loving life, giving relationships and seeing God's kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what's more, he was devoted to a kingdom agenda, even though uh, that cut across the agenda of the Pharisees, even though that led to him being persecuted and people trying to kill him. He was so devoted and so dedicated to the agenda, uh, to this kingdom agenda. Now, the question is, was Jesus just a rebel without a cause? Was this just something that he got in his head that he wanted to do, um, that he just wanted to sort of stir up trouble? Or did he get his mandate from somewhere else other than himself? Um, We'll have a look at what he says to the religious leaders when they start to persecute him. Verse 17, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. And then because he's not only breaking the Sabbath, but calling God his father, and in so doing, making himself equal with God, which in the eyes of the Pharisees was blasphemy, it all escalates very quickly and the Pharisees try to kill him. And he responds to them in verse 19, Very truly, I tell you, The son can do nothing by himself, he can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. Jesus had brought his whole life into submission to his father's agenda to make earth more like heaven. He knew his father was on this cosmic project of of restoration to restore all things to himself, to bring people into relationship with him and to put things right in the world. And as God's son, he committed his life to this cause and always and only obeyed his father perfectly for his whole life. Now, if we were to go under the bonnet of Jesus' life and look at the obedience part of his life's engine, we're going to go through the three mechanics that we would see as a part of the obedience part of his engine. These are the components that we would see that he has in place in living in obedience to a kingdom agenda. And these three things can be the same for us as well. Firstly, He knew his father and so he knew that his father was always working and he was able to recognise his father's work and join in in obedience. The father is mentioned in every verse in chapter 5 from verse 17 to 23. Uh, Jesus' relationship with him is absolutely central to his obedience to him. His father is front and centre in his mind and his obedience flows out from his relationship with his father. You know, there's this book, um, a lot of you may have read it, called The love La- Five Love Languages, um, Gifts, Quality Time, Physical Touch, Words of Affirmation, Acts of Service. They're different ways that, that we as, as human beings express and receive love um, from each other and different ones of us have different, different balance. Some might feel loved when they receive a gift or, or receive physical touch, whereas for others it might be uh, when, I, when someone does something really nice for me and in the same in the way that we express love. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that Jesus, is, Jesus knows that obedience is the Father's love language. Uh, Jesus shows his love for the Father through obedience, uh, no matter what the cost is to him because his relationship with his Father is the most important thing to him. He knows that surrendering his own agenda and walking in step with his father pleases his father and shows him that he loves him. Disobedience would have strained his relationship with God. And his relationship with his father is the most important thing to him because it was his engine room, it was his life source for all that he was and all that he did. And even with the threat of death, Jesus displays obedience to God's greater agenda. Because of his relationship with his father, Jesus knew that his father was always at work in the world and he has an awareness of and commitment to being a part, being a part of that work, being a part of something greater than himself. We see in Jesus a concern not for his own agenda, uh, but for the, not for the agenda of those around him like the Pharisees, but a concern for God's agenda, God's plan and God's purposes, what God is up to in the world. Jesus had an acute awareness of the activity of God and a willingness to participate in what God was doing. Now, did he have special eyes to see what the Father was doing? Did he have some kind of special vision goggles? No, he didn't dip into his divinity to live out his humanity. So how did he know what the Father was doing? How did he learn to recognize the Father's activity so that he might obey? How did he get to know the Father's agenda so intimately that living for him just flowed out of him? He had a strong relationship with his father. He learned dependence on the Holy Spirit. He prayed and he learned to hear his father's voice. He knew the fingerprints of his father so that when he saw them, he was able to join in and he made his whole life about his father's business. And the more he obeyed, the more his faith muscles were strengthened to be able to obey next time. Let me ask you this morning, is your life about the father's business? If not, why not? Do you know what the father is like? Do you see what he is up to in the world and in the lives of those around you? How would you recognize or characterize the kind of business that the father is in? Are you able to recognize it so that you can join in? So he's starting to see that instead of being authoritarian and restrictive, obeying God like Jesus obeyed God is actually freeing and empowering because instead of straining to go your own way, you're walking alongside the one who loves you, showing him that you love him through obedience and strengthening your relationship with him through obedience. And from that place of loving relationship with him flows freedom and life and empowerment. The second aspect of Jesus' capacity to obey God, this part of his engine room, um, is that he knew his role as his father's son. Jesus knew that God had sent him to seek and save the lost, to bring heaven to earth, to make earth more like heaven. Even as a child in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, we see Jesus talking about his commitment to being about the things of his father, being about his father's business. And as we've seen, that commitment manifests itself in obedience. He knew who he was. He knew that to be the son of God meant perfect unity with his father, going where he went and perfectly representing his father in word and in deed. In other words, knowing that he was his father's son meant that he lived with confidence because of the privileged position that he had. And it meant that he lived in humble submission because of who he knew his father was. He lived in confidence because of who he knew he was as a son, and he lived in humble submission because of who he knew his father was. He saw both himself and God rightly. He was able to perfectly obey the father because he had acknowledged that the father was in charge. The father was leading his whole life was about the father's business, not his own, because he saw both himself and his and God rightly. And knowing that his job was to represent the father perfectly in word and deed, he lay aside his own agenda and chose relationship with his father through obedience. Verse 19, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. He continually looked to see what the father was doing and he chose to sacrifice his commitment to his own agenda and to the agendas of others in order to join in. Do you understand your identity as a child of God? Do you know what that means? Do you know how that shapes the way that you live your life? Do you know that your role as God's child is to be about his business, to represent him in word and deed? We learn earlier in the book of John that God gives everyone who believes in Jesus the right to become his child. And as his children, we become his ambassadors on earth, representing him and being about his business of restoring all things to him. Thirdly, the third component of of Jesus' obedience this part of his engine room is that knowing his father, knowing that his father is always at work and being able to recognize that work and therefore join in and knowing his role as a father's son, what that flowed onto was actually participating in the father's work um, as his son. He didn't leave it as kind of head knowledge or heart knowledge. He stepped out and acted in obedience. He participated and he consciously allowed it to cut across his agenda and the agendas of others. You know, choosing to obey the Father's agenda wasn't easy for Jesus. He was human. It meant doing things that in himself he didn't feel like doing. It meant willingly laying down his own agenda and living for God and others in sacrifice, servanthood and suffering. It meant that other people would be mad at him, want to kill him and ultimately death. You know before he's betrayed one of his friends uh, b- betrayed by one of his friends and handed over to be crucified to take the punishment that we deserve for our sins. Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane to pray and there he prays three times for God to remove the suffering that he knows is ahead of him. But he concludes in Luke 22:42 not my will but yours be done. Being human like us there's no way he would have wanted to go through that suffering. But as Hebrews 12, 2 tells us, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus knew that when we're faced with temptations of all kinds, we have a choice to obey or disobey. He knew that immediate obedience can bring short-term suffering, but long-term joy. While short-term disobedience can bring short-term pleasure, but long-term suffering. It might be the plagiarism that you're tempted to carry out. Short-term pleasure because it makes it easier, but long-term suffering potentially. It could be that relationship that you really shouldn't be starting. Short-term pleasure, but long-term suffering. It could be that nudge of the spirit that you keep ignoring. Short-term pleasure because you get to go on your own way, but long-term suffering. Because what might that person miss out on? The thing is, people can get really mad when we choose God's agenda over theirs, particularly if they're relying on our disobedience for their agenda to flourish. Why aren't you doing this anymore? You've changed. You're not as fun as you used to be. What's going to happen to me? It can get complex in the way that it works itself out, but when it comes down to it, it's a choice between obedience and disobedience to God. Can I ask you, how is God prompting you this morning? What's been coming to mind? Are there any circumstances? Are there there any people, are there any choices that are coming to mind for you this morning that the Spirit is prompting you on? What's one thing this week that you can choose to act on to obey God when when the temptation is there to go your own way, to disobey Him? You know, we're very good at resisting obedience, aren't we? We're very good at resisting it. The last few weeks, I've been house sitting and dog sitting for some dear friends of mine. And, um, as a part of this, I have been dog walking, which has been a bit of a new experience for me. And, um, and the Lord often speaks through, uh, interesting things like dog walking. Um, this is the, I know that this is in the snow, which is probably not really our immediate environment. Um, but anyway, just use your imagination. It's the best one that I could find, uh, to illustrate what I'm saying. Um, and so I've, I've been, God has been speaking to me as he often does through strange things like about dog walking. So bear with me. Um, so I'm walking this dog and I often find that he'll smell something um, and go off in a different direction because he's been distracted by this smell um, from the course that we're walking on. Or um, he'll just want to go a different way. And Scott was sort of saying to me, does this sound familiar? <laughs> Do you think maybe you're a little bit like that sometimes? And we're a bit, a bit like that. And I just I've been thinking and reflecting on that and I just thought, oh, we are so like that in our relationship with God. You know, even though we're walking with God, even though we're connected to him, it's almost like we forget he's there sometimes, uh, that he's the one who's in charge and who's setting the course and setting the pace. And we strain ahead trying to set a different pace to the one he's moving at or straining in a completely different direction um, to where he is moving, uh, trying to do our best, uh, trying our best to do what we want and to go where we want. Uh, This has some really big implications for us. It has uh, implications for our relationship with God, firstly. Um, All of a sudden, you're not walking alongside God. You're still connected to him, but your relationship with him is strained. You're not enjoying being with him. You're not walking in step with him. And it has implications for us. How exhausting, Uh, how much less comfortable for us to strain on a leash than to walk comfortably alongside God in obedience. You know, we might almost choke ourselves rather than to go our own way rather than walk comfortably in submission to God, letting Him set the pace and direction for our lives. We can easily get it in our heads that we're in control, we're the one setting the direction, and that we can do whatever we want. I think sometimes we think we are taking God for a walk. We ignore the whisper of the Spirit. We avoid reading parts of His Word. We pick and choose which parts of Christianity we want to take on board for our lives. We self-select our walk with God. We fit Him into our schedule. We ask God to bless what we are doing rather than seeing what He is already doing ahead of us and seeking His will and wanting to be involved in that. I think that dogs obey their master once they've acknowledged that the master is in control and not them for us i think the reason that we resist obedience to god is that we haven't fully surrendered our lives to him we haven't fully seen him for who he is and acknowledge that he is the one who's in control that he's the one in the driver's seat and allow him to set the direction and course for our lives and simply comfortably naturally and with freedom walk alongside him For us to say, God, you're in charge, not me. I'm going to walk in step with you. I'm going to enjoy life with you, life as it's designed to be lived. And there find empowerment and peace and freedom. It's in the surrender of our own agendas that we find peace in anxiety, companionship in loneliness and purpose that's beyond ourselves. It's where we find the power to live as Jesus did. It's where we find freedom. It's the place from which we live relaxed lives, comfortably walking alongside our Father because we have surrendered our wills to his. Why does this matter? What are the implications if we continue to strain ahead and go on our own course? Firstly, we miss the relationship with God that we are designed for if we strain at our life if we strain at our life source uh, which is our relationship with god uh, if obedience is god's love language i'll leave it to you uh, to put a word to how disobedience feels to him you can put your own word on that we also miss out on experiencing the joy and peace and freedom that we were designed for when we hold on to our own agendas and refuse to submit them to god's in obedience And not only we miss out, but others miss out. If God's agenda is to bring his kingdom to make earth more like heaven, then others miss out on experiencing wholeness and restoration and beauty and justice, all of which characterize God's kingdom. It's not just us that miss out when we refuse to walk in obedience to God. We are God's strategy for carrying out his agenda. And if we're not on board, um, then others miss out. So let me ask you, how are you looking to see where God is at work ahead of you in every aspect of your life? How's your relationship with him? How are you seeing where he's leading? You know, you can ask him in the morning and stop halfway through the day and check in with him. God, what are you up to? How can I be part of it? You can get to know what he's like through the scriptures by developing a relationship with him through prayer and Holy Spirit dependence so that you can recognize his activity when you see it. You can learn the marks of the kingdom, wholeness, beauty, justice, restoration. You can learn what good news is to your workplace, your neighborhood, your home. You can get in the habit of looking around you to see where God is at work. We have a God who is bringing his kingdom to earth, who is making earth more like heaven and who has a place for each one of us in that great mission and that great story. And he has an invitation for you this morning to stop straining at the lead and to to acknowledge that he's in charge, that this is his mission, that your life belongs to him and to choose to step back and walk comfortably alongside him, enjoying relationship with him seeking His will and not your own. Let me pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.